Williams. He can go on the number third. 200 centimetres. You can't do that. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. It's a Wednesday evening special edition. Emergency. Emergency podcast. Uh, <laughs> just because there's nothing much going on at the, at the uh, club at the, moment, at the moment. No spiel from me today. Straight into it because, uh, again, um, a, a good friend of the pod, uh, Mr. Rowan Connolly, has um, joined us again to, uh, to talk about the... <laughs> The incredible doings of today as Essendon went kaboom. Welcome, Rowan. Yeah, uh, making a habit of this, guys. I'm, I'm becoming the your uh, crisis correspondent, aren't I? That's it. That's it. You need it's to have probably, like a, a flak jacket and a helmet on or something. It's, it's probably not a good thing. It's probably the, the less I'm here, the more stable the club is. Um, but uh, no, good to always good to talk Essendon with you guys. Great. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. There was so much... Uh, reaction to the show where you came on with myself, Rowan. So that's actually now, uh, at the moment, our second highest ever uh, downloaded show. For and, the, and the most highest was, what, two, three years ago or something? Yeah, so about five years, you're in the top two. Uh, and But what it does say is it resonated with fans. So Absolutely. It, people, you know, you may have got the same thing, but I had people from the club. Private message me, uh, other in people of interest within the club message me, uh, and and you know uh, fans just saying, "Oh, wait, we needed to hear that." Uh, so it had such a big reaction, uh, and now obviously we're not the catapult for what happened today, but it, it just it just showed me that where what we were discussing wrong was very much aligned to what members fans would members were, were thinking. Oh, well, let, let me say that that's very gratifying to hear that. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, I, I got a, a bit of feedback back myself, um, unusually positive. I'm usually more polarising than that. But <laughs> but it is. it, it was indicative to me um, th- that there is a common thread among the support base, and that is one of um, uh, disillusionment but a, a uh, disaffection with the club or a, a, a divide, if you like, between the club and the support base. And um, obviously, you know, there are massive issues to work out at the moment. But, I, you know, when we talk about cultural issues, I think that's right up there at the forefront of them, that a club that is has a, a strong, intimate connection to its support base is a, on one level already uh, a successful club. And if you're not having on-field success, that can help you sustain you through good times. And Essendon, unfortunately, for one reason or another, hasn't had either. But I think it's imperative, you know, in this new broom, if you like, that's clearly sweeping through the club at a rapid rate of knots, yep. that, that culture, uh, and and that includes exactly those sort of supporter-type issues, um, uh, is a major part of it. And having said that too, I think it's really important that it is seen as not just something tacked on and, you know, without getting too sort of too into too forensic detail, uh, I, I remember and people might remember when uh, Paul Cousins and Katie Leo came onto the board and they were sort of dubbed fan representatives and I was still working at The Age then and actually 
reporting on that. And I think uh, getting them onto the board was fantastic. But I think it was even then by the club sort of seen as, oh, here's a bit of an appeasement of the fans. And I think it's really crucial that the club now doesn't do it as something like that, if they were to, as a tokenistic gesture, but sort of, you know, you people are an intrinsic part of the rebuilding of this football club. Uh, perfectly said. I think the grassroots supporter, uh, if I'm Dave Barham and we'll talk about him soon, as a club, one of the very first things I would do, um, and I put a challenge out today about <laughs> coming on the show. I said, if you want to talk to grassroots members, find out who the grassroots fan podcasts are. Start interacting through that and not always through SEN or club statements, start engaging through the, the the heart of the club that that loves the football club, you know, hangs on every outcome on on the weekend. Start connecting back to that grassroots, uh, yeah, base that I think they've lost a little bit. And now we all know the membership numbers are always quite strong, so that's a credit to the loyalty of a membership base, to be honest. Um, but there's no doubt also the people who talk to me talk about a, sep- a, a, a constant separation of of a club that has a lot of high end uh, wealthy events, and, and then we're not we don't really have our events. We're not in touch. We don't get to see the players as much at a at a fun day for free on the oval and engage with them and have fun and bring the kids along. We've we've lost that side of it. We're more doing two hundred and fifty dollar event nights, and we're not we're not we don't feel like we're we're really on the outer of the on the Kevin Walsh stand now. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, your comment in that last podcast about lack of seating, uh, things like that. You know, the sort of uh, you walk in the front of a club; it's not really set up for supporters. You know, I've I've heard people talk about going to the little cafe there and feeling like you know, eyes of people at the club going, well, what are you doing here? You know, get your get your takeaway cappuccino and bugger off sort of thing, you know, and and that's just not good enough. And, um, you know, Essendon's support base has been magnificent last 10 years, having, you know, continually shown support after that horrible, bitter episode. And, and that needs more to be rewarded more, not less. And that's actually what's happened. And when I say that too, it's not, it's not necessarily even a – it's not like the administration has gone out to deliberately slight yeah. the yeah. support base. No, I want to recognise that. But I, th- I think, you know, Xavier Campbell, he, he's had a really tough gig and he certainly succeeded on the commercial side. He certainly provided a, a, a terrific bulwark against the saga and shoring up membership and sponsorship and the financial – Situation, but the game has moved on. He's been less successful in a football sense. We all we all know the the hits and misses, and there's more misses than hits. Um, and you know, unfortunately, uh, I think he has tended to operate in a more autocratic sense than a good, you know, a, the best football CEOs do. Um, and and between that and the lack of success on the football front, at some stage. I think your tenure sort of runs out. And the clincher, as he said himself, you know, is he is inextricably tied to Paul Brasher and to Ben Rutten. Um, they are both departing. So I think it's only fair that he departs and that the incoming CEO is someone who has, again, as Xavier himself said, is strategically aligned 
to the new president and the new, uh, you know, sort of dominant faction on the board. It's it's absolutely imperative, and and that's all part of getting a club ticking over in in unison. And um, you know, that's why. And and when that happens at a, an administrative level, then it's a lot easier to pass on that cultural shift to the actual football side. You know, people often say to me. You know how how can an administer how can a culture of a club actually impact on the on field stuff and goals and points on the scoreboard? Well, it can because I think if you have a healthy, thriving culture, you see the fundamental philosophies passed down from generation to generation. One of the problems with Essendon on field is the lack of success has gone on so long now that even the leaders and most experienced people on field don't actually know what that that maximum example is of hard work that you have to be uh, exerting to be able to know what's needed to become successful. And that was once upon a time passed on from, you know, the Danahers and Maddens to the Thompsons and the Harveys. They passed it on to the O'Donnells. They passed it on to the Mercuries and the Mercedes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Somewhere along the line, we lost that leadership example, mainly because of a lack of success. But how do you instill it again? You do that by creating the right culture and the right values at the top of the organisation. That then flows through to your on-field performance via your football department, your footy manager, your coach, and the recruitment and development of players. And we all know development's been another area sorely lacking. Those are all the things that can be attended to, but I think attended to a lot quicker if you have a healthy unify culture at the top of the organisation where everyone from the president to the bootstutter is on the same page and everyone has time for each other. No one's more important than anyone else. Now, clubs, I keep using Richmond as an example, but I know that at a club like Richmond, that is the case. It hasn't, unfortunately, been the case at Essendon for a long time. And that's one of the main things that needs to change. Bravo! I'll tell you what, Ron. That was some of your best work, mate. Uh, mate bravo! <laughs> but really well said. Bravo. Could, okay, let's talk about David Barham. Uh, in a weird way, he's still a divisive figure. I can tell on social media, right? And I, and a lot of that probably resulted in the messy first week, no doubt. And they saw his first press conference and him rocking a bit, looking nervous. Um, the other part to me is, and I'll be blunt honest, what he's done is exactly what I asked for six six months ago and I can't help think that's the reality and I understand the messy part. He understands it. He, he said he got some things wrong. But where we are today as of right now is what I was so much hoping for. Well, you know what it reminds me of and, and – I'm not using this because of my political allegiances, but it is, I think, a good analogy. I keep thinking of Dave Barham as the footy equivalent of Anthony Albanese, i.e. he starts the campaign and he's a bit clunky and he's not very <laughs> grab-friendly like, well, he hasn't got an opponent really, has he? No. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that opponent was Xavier Campbell. Maybe Xavier Campbell, Scott Morrison here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's, not, let's not get too out there. But yeah, I think, you, you know, Dave, profiles, yes. <laughs> Dave, Dave wasn't smooth. He wasn't polished in that initial appearance. But I know him, I guess. So I so I, I know what he's like. And and I didn't think it was that bad. And I was a bit taken aback at how strong people's reaction was. Oh, no, that's terrible. 
but they're judging him by very superficial qualities there. Surely the ultimate uh, rule on how he's performing is getting things done. Well, has Essendon had a president that's got things done this quickly? I mean, <laughs> it's it's flying, you know, and there, there's a lot to be done. But this is a guy, and I worked with, I should disclosure here, I used to, wow, this is way back in the dim past, I used to do some pay TV. This is back between 1996 and 2001, Optus Vision. There wasn't a Fox footy then, Optus wow, Vision, yeah. big carrier. I remember that. Uh, well, I, I was on a Monday night panel show called uh, Football Feedback, actually produced by Andy Marr, funnily enough. But um, Dave's company, called then called Viewcast, produced the show. So I was working with Dave for five years, and he's a behind-the-scenes operator. You know, he doesn't pretend to be smooth, and he doesn't want to be the front man and sort of bobbing up on TV every five minutes with the glib cliches, but he has good good negotiating skills. He's firm when he has to be, but d- does it in a, a human sort of way. Um, yeah. You know, so he's, he's a hard ass without coming across as a hard ass. And, uh, I, you know, as soon as I heard he was taking over as president, I thought, now I, I am really hopeful. And, you know, after the events of the last week, uh, I'm even more hopeful because he's a smart guy, Dave, and it's not going to end here. And by that, I don't mean just he'll go, he'll go, he'll go. I think there will be a real concentration on the entire fabric of the club. That's where the external review comes in. You know, it doesn't mean that the, all the personnel will change. You know, some key personnel might not change. But one thing that will absolutely change, I'm convinced, is the flavour of the club. And you're going to see, you know, I, know, I don't know about you guys, but one thing which has burned me the most is having my footy club feel like a corporation. I felt like I was barracking for BHP. You know, I don't want to feel like that. I want to barrack for a footy club that regards its supporters the right way, that includes us, that makes us feel wanted and part of it. I want to barrack for a footy club, not a corporation. And I think, you know, that that is going to be a big part of this. This is about a whole club and it's going to take time, you know, but I think the speed with which things have moved in really important ways already is a really encouraging sign. Again, brilliantly said. Now, mate, I just wanted to um, to get your opinion. With Madden uh, gone and Wellman on the way soon, that's all of the the former Essendon people that were on the board, right? Players um, on the board supposedly making decisions in the benefit to, to the benefit of the Essendon Football Club because of their experience, because of their their time at the club and their love for the club. What's your opinion on the fact that we might not get any more Essendon people on the board? It might just be completely um, non-Essendon footballers or non-sort of inadverted commas Essendon people, apart from the ultimate Essendon person in Sheeds who may or may not go. Um, but what, what would your be opinion? What would your opinion be if we got just all people from business and academia and um, the media and places like that, rather than having the odd one or two Essendon people on there? Well, I think you need as broad a cross-section of the community as possible. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a it's a given that you must have a former player type on there. I think if there's someone um, with the requisite, well, some skill set that stands out other than them having been a brilliant kick on their wrong foot, um, I, you know, I think that's the, the crucial factor. I think Essendon has definitely been guilty of going to that oh, former champion, let's get him on the board thing 
too often. You know, I, I would argue that perhaps, you know, having three on there at once might have been a bit too much, but it all depends on what you think are the most important qualities for a director on a board to have. I've never served on a board, you know. Um, uh, you know, my skill sets are, are different to other people's. Um, but what defines an Essendon person anyway? My definition of an yeah. Essendon person isn't necessarily someone who's played a, a single game. Uh, I think mm. I'm an Essendon person. Why am I an Essendon person? Because I've been like Digger. I've been barracking for this club for 72 <laughs> years, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't, but I've been barracking for this club for <laughs> since the time I was five, so 52 years. Yeah. And that's how long I've been going to games. I've worked for the club. Um, I've I've always kept close tabs on the club. I've known most of the people who've played there, worked there, coached there. I feel like I've got a good sort of connection to supporters and what they think. Um, I'm gonna, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm an Essendon person. So I think in answer to your question, no, I don't think there has to be a former player on there, but I don't think you should shy away from having a former player on there okay. if there's. A, a good candidate. You know what? I, he may hate me saying this, but I was just thinking, okay, who who else is out there among former players who I think would be good on a board? Here's one, and I'm so sorry, mate, if you if you if you don't like this, but <laughs> I, Mark Bolton, really intelligent guy, okay. contemporary football experience, has had an involvement with players association stuff, um, ripping fella. Uh, there you go. He'd he'd be someone like him would be fantastic on the Essendon board, you know. Um, but there's uh, lots of different examples from different walks of life who might be good on the board. Indeed. Now, okay, Rowan, I'm going to ask you a question uh, and uh, it might be confronting for you, but I'm, it's going to be a two-part question because I can, you know, I see social media and I and I see the people suggest. Hang on, can I, can I have a guess here, Scott? When you say confronting for me, uh, when people say that, it's usually what do you really think of Caroline Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> well, confronting for you because uh, I want to. I'm going to be a very honest question to you, right? So, okay, good. Because um, we go a little bit back, uh, so I'm going to be a very honest, blunt question. Some people have told me, and I can tell I've seen them ask, tell you, reach out to you about what your availability, availability or consideration for you possibly having a spot on the board. My second part question, which is more the confronting side, is how would Rowan Connolly be on a board uh, knowing some fans would say, see your your interactions on Twitter? I'll be as polite as possible on that. But tell me about Rowan Connolly, how he would be on a board that may – um, calm some people to think that you're not going to go in into the board and slam everyone. <laughs> okay. Gee, there's a, there's a bit of material there, isn't there? Um, well, you probably should ask me, would I be interested? That's in the first question, yeah. That's, that's my third part that I should have um, brought up, yes. All right. Well, I, yeah, look, I mean, I, I've had a couple of people not connected, though, you know, have said, oh, would you, you know, you should do it, you know, and it's usually half-jokingly. I must admit, it's felt like less of a joke the longer time's gone on. Um, look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sort of come off sounding like a tosser because the, the people running the club, I honestly, hand on heart, have not discussed this with anyone of any consequence within the club, and they might hear this and go, 
are you talking about? We're not even remotely thinking about you. And trust me, I absolutely understand that. Who am I? I'm a journo, you know, like I'm a jock and I'm a bit of a a bit of a bogan, I guess, at heart. And I'm an abusive, you know what, on on Twitter, right? So I sort of get that. Um, but look, philosophically, I love the club. You know, I think I've made that pretty clear how much I love the club and what it means to me. I'd love to be able to help in whatever capacity. Do I think I could contribute to a board? Well, as an addendum to what we were talking about before, I actually do because I think one of the problems, and it's not necessarily number one on the list, but I think Essendon's media profile and and the image it has created in the media and among the public hasn't been great. I think that could have been done a lot better, and I think there are various ways of doing that which I do have some ideas about. I'm, you know, look, even my my biggest detractors, I don't know, maybe I'm not saying people should give me two seconds thought, but people who can't stand me, I'd hope would even concede that, you know, I'm a, I'm a long-time practitioner of media and I'm pretty au fait with how media works. And I think strategically, I, you know, I've got a pretty good idea what you need to do to maximise exposure and, and to present yourself in a in a positive light and to engage supporters and all that stuff we were talking about before. Um, I think I'm at heart a fan, you know, and I think that really helps in terms of creating that connection with supporters. Um, so, you know, I think those are the – oh, look, plus I think what I definitely don't have, and I'm more than happy to say this, is corporate expertise. <laughs> Do you need every single person on a board to have corporate expertise? I don't think you do. I think that's where you need that cross-section. Yeah. So I'm never going to be able to, you know, say this is what we need to do with the balance sheet. But what I can do is say, look, I think this PR focus or marketing focus is wrong. It's sending the wrong message. This is how we should be going. Or, or what about this initiative in the media? Or what about uh, there's a great story to be had in our club about this, you know, it might be an employee in the club or something like that. Who do we take that to? What media outlet is going to run that and and give us that more exposure and present us favourably? All that sort of stuff. I think I can, I think I can, you know, without sounding arrogant about it, I think I can do that stuff pretty well. So those are the sort of things I would bring. Again, I stress, I'm not, this isn't my pitch of the board. They, 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 the club can do what it likes. I'm quite happy not to be on a board and to remain a, a supporter, albeit one who loves and commentates on the club because that's my profession. Um, to your other point about, okay, say, say let's just speak totally hypothetically. Um, and by the way, I know this prospect horrifies I did say in our last podcast, I'm an avid reader of Bomber Blitz. I know there are <laughs> certain individuals on Bomber Blitz who, who will now be having um, seizures at the very prospect of yes. So I think his name's Windy Hill Winsock. So apologies, Windy Hill Winsock. I'm sorry I hurt you in the past. I don't know what I did to you, but you clearly aren't a fan. That's fair enough. I annoy myself sometimes too. One thing I can promise you faithfully, though, is and this might make people laugh. I'm not an idiot. I, I am a reasonably intelligent person. And uh, the, my carry-on on Twitter, yeah, look, I can be really uncouth and rude and abusive. And uh, sometimes even I tweet stuff and I just go, what'd you do that for? In fact, I, I do that far too frequently. I'm getting better at it. But I can assure you that if I was, if I had a professional responsibility 
where I was on a board of an organisation, I would be cleaning up my act. I can work very well collaboratively with people. You know, in my career, I've had a lot of experience in a, a sports editor's role, acting sports editor's role or deputy sports editor or whatever, which involved working closely with people and encourage them and, and uh, you know, being a, a support for them. I'm very good at that. I enjoy that because it sort of takes some of the the focus off my what I have to do a bit, you know, my own endeavours. So I enjoy that side of it and I think I'm – I'm reasonable in that department too. So um, it, funnily enough, I'm thinking on the run here, I'm talking myself into putting in a bid. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a task, man. <laughs> I, I, I actually think, you know, so a, a responsibility like that would would certainly make me, you know, more, um, what's the word, urbane, if you like. I'd certainly, I'd certainly cut back on the Twitter stuff. Wouldn't mean I'd stop tweeting, but I, I'd, I'd be a bit more <laughs> circumspect perhaps about how, <laughs> I'd express things. Um, I don't know. Have I covered all bases there? Is there anything else? No, no. Else that, to... Look, that's. I, I think that's an interesting, you know. I, I mean, what, look, tell me honestly. Uh, so, you know, this is a conversation. Um, I don't know how people listen to this, tell me honestly, but you guys can, I, you know, I, one of my greatest fears in life is coming across as the tosser. Uh, trust me. I, You know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a journo. I don't think I'm anything special. I really don't. You know, yeah, I've got a blue tick on Twitter. So what? You know, I don't think I'm any – I know any more about footy than you guys, you know. Um, well, do, you know, is, is someone like that going to be of use on a board? I think I have, I think I have skills that could be useful to the club. But I trust me, I, I don't think I have – you know, inordinate claims to be on the board more than than Joe Citizen out there, you know? Look, I'll be honest, Ron. I counted. This is the 10th time you've been on this show. Is it really? You've been on, you've <laughs> been on more than anyone else. Yeah, okay. So, you know, for us, actually, it's for us the, the, the sheer fact is that we think you're extremely knowledgeable and passionate, we we invite you for this year for the exact reason exactly. to that have a said. conversation about yeah. the club and have an honest conversation about the club yeah. about where it's at and what needs to change. And with you know with you know your your history of the club and uh, I like the idea of it because I think you have such a good understanding of the club. And this sounds funny, but the club in in probably the late seventies, eighties, nineties. You know the transition of what's happened and you've been so ingrained in the club to know then what went wrong um, from sort of the 2001 kind of era. I think you would have a very good mind and go, I, I, I fully understand where this club went wrong. And, you know, I, you know, even like when we spoke last time when we talked about the, the Heffernan deals and all that sort of stuff, you even know on the on-field stuff, what's, what's things that have – the salary caps, what's gone wrong. How, so I think you have a really good historical understanding of why we're here today. And we spoke about, you know, very honestly about fans feeling like they're a cash cow. And, and I think that's a very big – uh, issue at the club. So when you're talking about media uh, and how the club presents itself, you know, we win a game, we get a discount from the bomber shop, you know, or we get to get discount furniture or anything like that. Um, we can't even celebrate Michael Hurley without 18% off the next day uh, <laughs> if yeah. you buy stuff. You know, that's what we're talking about. You And I think you fully understand why fans are getting frustrated because they want to celebrate wins. They want to be a football club. They want to talk football. They don't want to feel like 
the commercial side is so heavily ingrained in do any success we do. Can I, can I just tell you, you just made me think of this. Can I just tell you, I am speaking out of school a bit, but I don't think you'll mind. It was funny. I got a message on Twitter from Kale Hooker the other day. Okay, now, yeah. now, Kale's producing his own wines. And uh, he came out. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yeah. He, he said, uh, Oh, good day, Ron. You know, and enjoying, you know, your comments on, on stuff. He said, uh, Just thought I'd have a, a little wine uh, in, in tribute to Hurls. And he created his own little Michael Hurley label. Yeah, and, I didn't see that. And the last line was, Better than 18% off at the bomber shop. Exclamation <laughs> mark. I know. love it. I so, love it. <laughs> and, and, but you know what? That, that, I loved seeing that because there's a former player who's still emotionally connected to the club and loves the club and and you know we as a club need to make more of those connections there's too many former players particularly that 2000 generation who are really disillusioned with the place we've got to get them back and make them part of the fold it doesn't mean we have to be obsessed with having Essendon people in every conceivable position but they have to be part of the the fabric of your club. Sorry, just you you made me think of something Something else. Sort of, uh, again, I, I didn't think I was giving a job presentation, but I, I probably should say this. Look, everyone knows I'm, I'm outspoken, but again, I, I know when to pull my tongue in those sort of situations. I know, you know, when it's okay to be speak your mind and not. One thing, you know, if I did have any sort of involvement with the club, and again, I stress I'm not pushing this or whatever, but I, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be shy in having my two bobs worth on what I think about things. That's but gross. you know, uh but I, I you know, if I wasn't the majority view or I recognised other other people had far more expertise in an area, I wouldn't be silly about it. But you know, if I was going to be involved, I wouldn't be involved to be a shrinking violet. That's not my Go. That's, that's not my exactly nature. Exactly what we need, mate. Just, just, just to sort of tie it up because, like you said, it's not, it's not a job interview, but we could talk to you about this all, all night, mate. Because we, we would absolutely endorse you for the, for the role. But I just one, one really important thing I think you should, if you don't already know this, mate, is that one of the things that I think would be. Uh, a benefit to you on the board of the Essendon Football Club is that you are self-aware. Right, me. When I say that, I mean you realise that you can uh, you can tee off with the best of them on Twitter, and you can um, you can go um, hammer and tongs with people. But when I say you're self aware, you also realise that that side of Rowan Connolly might need to just calm down a little bit when you're on the a corporate board of a football club. But oh, piss off, pissed off, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Am I allowed to make one no, joke? That's just Twitter. Please? It's mate. on Twitter, mate. You can mate. Twitter on Twitter. <laughs> that, was, that was a joke. Okay, no, go on. But, but, to, but the, the self-aware part, <laughs> I think you've you've demonstrated to me that, like you said, the the, the Twitter stuff is um is what it is. Um, but on the on the board of a footy club, you would your your willingness to be open and uh, and honest and uh, tell it like you see it is, I think, would be an incredible benefit to a board. Now. My, my wife uh, has had uh, a lot of experience with boards and through her I've spoken to her a lot of, about boards and stuff. Mate, don't worry about the, the the formalities of boards and that sort of stuff. They're very – they're formalised, they're ritualistic. You learn that stuff quickly because the secretary of the board will just tell you what the meeting's going to be, there's an agenda and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I reckon with – the explosion that just happened at the Bombers with the very six-foot-wide broob going through there at the moment. I don't want it. I didn't – I hate that it's had to happen, but it has had to happen. Now that we're in – now that it's happened, a person like you with the, the footy knowledge, the media knowledge, the Essendon fan knowledge – 
would be perfect for the board. So again, it, it, it's not a job interview, mate, but please have a think about what the people like Scotty and I see in you. And that is that you, you sure you do the Twitter stuff, but there is a hell of a lot of knowledge that other people do not have um, and combined knowledge that other people don't have. So I'd say you would be an asset to that board, mate. I, I, I what can I say? I'm flattered. No, I really, I really appreciate that. And um yeah, look, uh, um, again, you know, like uh, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing, so I'm not uh, – I certainly aren't about to seek something out. But like I said, if if the people sort of running the place now think I can be of some use to them in whatever capacity, I'm, I'm certainly very interested because, you know, it's a club that's given me so many happy moments in my life and uh, it's been the source of so much passion and interest in, in – such a big percentage of my life, I'd, I'd love to be able to pay that back in in a meaningful way. And, and I, um, I take back what I said before too about the whole Essendon footballer being an Essendon person. I take that back unreservedly because someone like you, Rowan, and me, and Scott for that matter, we're Essendon people. Yeah, right? no, so I, you, I, you're I, an Essendon I, yeah. person. That's why you feel the way you do because you're an Essendon person. You you remember Tim Watson. You remember all these names and the the joy that it gave you. That's the reason why you should be on the board too. Yeah, no, I think that's a very important point. Yep. Now, um, yeah, so I've got to get some questions that I know fans will want me to ask you on on today's proceedings. Footyology. Now, I don't know if it's you, so please accept my apology. I don't know if you wrote this, but we're talking about Ken Hinckley being an option Essendon should consider. Was that yourself? No, it was uh, James Rosewarn, who okay. is a contributor to Footyology. Now, what what were your thoughts on that? And, and, and as far as possible candidates, do, what's in your head at the moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm really... I'm really open-minded about it, um, which is unusual for me. You know, normally with my own club, I'd think, yep, this bloke, got to get this bloke. I did think that with Alistair Clarkson. Um, but having missed out on Clarkson, I, I think um, I, I think there's more, more possibilities out there. I'm not sure why Dave specifically said we're looking for a more experienced coach but I think that can be open-ended too. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, an experienced coach doesn't need to be someone who's coached at senior level. I mean... Kingsley's at, one. It, well, exactly. 16 yeah. years as, as an assistant, you don't get a lot more experience than that. Yeah. So, um, look, I, I have been thinking about this a bit today. Um, I've got to say, and it'll it'll polarise people again, I've waxed and waned on this bloke. I've had moments where I thought this guy's a genius. I've had moments where I thought, nah. Yeah, it, it's passed you by and not the right man for the right time. I do have a feeling, though, the more I think about it, that Ross Lyon would be a really good option wow. for Essendon to okay. consider. Now, I, I know why he would ostracise some people. You know, he's an, he can be an abrasive guy. Um, he, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. He's not out there to, to win people's hearts. Um, but... I think Essendon, even whilst Essendon is in the midst of this huge cultural change, there are, you know, those sort of entrenched political issues and cliques and whatever are going to be there for some time, like it or not. 
he has the strength to be able to deal with that. He did it at St Kilda where a lot of the similar conditions prevailed. He did that very successfully there. He was an outsider coaching a West Australian club and was able to cross that bridge, which, trust me, I've got Western Australian parents, that is a big deal. And he was able to get yep. past that and successfully coach them. So I think he could deal with those issues. But also I think Essendon's most chronic weakness for a long time now, even long past the last couple of coaches, is defensively, and I think he could fix that up. What people forget about Ross is, yeah, sure, he's a defensive coach, and, you know, later on in his his time at Frio, you know, they were pretty ugly to watch and, and never generated enough scores, and he didn't seem to respect the idea of scoring enough. But well, let's go back to that 2009 season at St Kilda when they were not only by a long margin the number one defensive team, they were the fourth-ranked offensive team. And what people forget sometimes is it, the stronger your defensive game, the more aggressively you can pursue offence on the rebound. And that's mm. exactly what they did in 2009. And make no mistake, with all respect to Geelong, you know, St Kilda was the best performed side of, of 2009. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's a uh, funny bounce of the ball and a Matthew Scarlett toe poke away from being a, a dual premiership coach, Ross. There's, it's clear that the I think the fire still burns within. I, I did see some comments from his manager today saying he doesn't know if he'd be interested. I reckon he would be. I reckon the appeal of a, a club like Essendon would, yep. would be pretty hard for him to resist. And I think, you know, I think given, again, culturally, uh, you know, Ross is a smart guy. I think he he's aware of he's got plenty of self-awareness too now, and I think he will have learned a bit. And um, I think there are sides of his personality and his approach that he would temper. And I think there's no doubt that in terms of the logistics of coaching a side, the tactic, tactical side of it, lists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think he'd be a very good candidate, but not the only one. Um, look, someone very closely connected with Essendon uh, was talking to me yesterday about Justin Lepich. Yeah. Now, He's a, a guy whose stocks, when he left Brisbane, weren't high, but he went to Richmond, did a, a fantastic job as an assistant. And again, if you read Conrad Marshall's books about Richmond, and there's three of them, um, you, you see the full value of what Leper brings to a club, um, so much so that Craig McRae got him on board first instant. He became Collingwood coach. Mm. I think you also had a window into his abilities when he was doing that media work with SEN, his capacity to interpret the tactical side of the game and to impart that to the audience in clear, you know, comprehensible language that was easy to understand, I thought was fantastic and made him a great media person. And um, he, he would have gone on to, I think, be the best special comments guy in the game had he not accepted this job at Collingwood. Uh, could he get out of that? Yeah, he could. No assistant coach wouldn't have a clause where if they're offered a senior position, they can't get out of it. So I think he's well worth considering. And then you've got the likes of Daniel G and Syracuse, who um, won the Assistant Coach of the Year Award at the AFL Coaches Association last year. Uh, a guy like Blake Carousel, and it's been interesting to hear him talk down over the last 12 months. I'm finding that really interesting, and I'm a bit suspicious as to the motives uh, of a lot of that stuff coming out. But Cara, over a long period of time, has been rated very highly. So I'd say he was a, a very strong mm. candidate as well and, and that Essendon shouldn't be dissuaded by that talk around him of recent times. And then 
A guy like Adam Uze, again now in the system a long time, very highly rated from a tactical point of view. Uh, you know, would a guy like that not be able to cope with the political um, quirks of Essendon, like the influence of coterie groups, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I reckon someone like that might need a strong outside voice. Yeah. Uh, someone like Mark Williams Mark provides Williams, yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and if we're talking about Mark Williams being a support for someone, here's one to throw into the mix. A um, guy called Dean Solomon, who uh, I think in turn, you know, in, on, on the inside of the football industry is more highly rated than what you've heard about him outside would have you believe. And I think Solly did some really good work at Gold Coast. And, and when he was let go by Gold Coast, there were, a number of people were uh, very, very surprised. So I think he's more highly rated than you might think. I wouldn't be appointing someone like that specifically because of his Essendon background, but by the same token, the reverse yeah. is true. I wouldn't could be a bonus. I wouldn't. Well, it could, and I wouldn't go against someone with an Essendon connection having the job just because of they were an Essendon person, and we're trying to get away from that now, uh, which leads to the next obvious name on the list: a certain Brownlow yeah. medalist of nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Where do I stand on that? Yeah. Um, I'm a no. Uh, I'm a no, nothing against Hurdy. Uh, I think he's a great person. I think he's very intelligent. Two reasons, though. Uh, one, I think, you know, if we're talking about massive cultural change, it just makes it too difficult because he is, an, uh, you know, intrinsic part of that period of the club. And it's, all, it, it, it's unfair, really, in yeah, a way, that, but, it, exactly. but, it, but it, it creates this baggage that if the club is to truly move forward with meaningful cultural change, it can't afford to carry. My other thing about Hurdy is jury out on how good a coach he is. And, and look, you know, I, I think it's actually a 50-50 call. Have a look at his time in charge. Made the finals once. Made the finals twice, really, but got thrown out of them once. But that's two out of, what, three, uh, four completed seasons. 2012 started out really well. Ended up as a bit of a car crash, 2015 a car crash. But that's with the backdrop of the saga playing out. So yeah. do we know how good a coach James Hurd is? No. It's very complicated. But that, I guess, being harsh, that's not a glowing endorsement, is it? It would be a gamble of sorts. But I think even that is sort of outweighed by the legacy and baggage that comes with anyone connected with that saga and and you can't on the one hand say we need to you know cleanse the board of anyone who was involved or the ceo and then go and appoint a coach that was the central figure in it it just defeats the purpose you know however romantic it is however much it might be essendon giving a, a you know a bird to the rest of the football world i think there's a fine line there i think you know the club needs to tread its own path but i don't think it can afford to sort of be completely scornful of the feelings of a lot of people about this. And it's just baggage that I think the club doesn't need. Doesn't mean Hurdy couldn't have an involvement with the club, but I don't know if I'd be making him coach. Yep. Look, just quickly before we go, do you know much about Don Pike as well? He's obviously a name that comes up as well. Now, he's kind of linked to a little bit of the Adelaide stuff that wasn't that glowing, but then Sydney program, you know, obviously very, very good program. So there's kind of that, which way do you go? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think certainly has his pluses. I mean, Adelaide in 2017 were playing an amazing brand of footy 
you know, it's easy to forget because how spectacularly they lost the grand final, but they were over the course of the whole season the best performed side. You know, they had a real, um, you know, explosive attacking uh, appearance, you know, but were strong defensively. Um, no doubt that his time after that was compromised by the impact of that of that uh, infamous camp and how, how much slack do you, well, that could in, in, in practice, that could have the same sort of impact as the saga has on James Hurd's credentials as a mm. coach. You know, to what extent is Pike responsible for that camp? It's a really interesting question. I think if Essendon did their due diligence and found out that, look, he didn't know a lot of it, um, you know, he wasn't complicit in covering up the more unsavoury elements of it, then I think you, maybe you'd be prepared to consider him. But again, is Essendon a club in the state it's in now that it can afford to have someone coaching it whose credentials on integrity uh, score aren't squeaky clean? And I tend to think it's a clean break. It's you know, you break. get you get one shot at remaking all levels of the club. This is clearly Essendon's shot at it. Let's do it. No questions left to be asked. Don't look now, Rowan, but you're sounding like a board member, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See? You but how would, I, how would I scrub up in those cute little blazers and ties? Oh, oh. It'll be all good. It'll be all Gee, good. That just makes me want it to happen now, just to see that vision. Um, <laughs> I have worn a suit and tie before. It wasn't a great look, but I have done it. Uh, look, mate, uh, I'll let you know, you've got a dinner to go to. So, look, I really, really appreciate you coming on. It was very last minute, very much uh, a classic emergency podcast, but uh, you were such a, a big part of even like it sounds like funny, but the build-up when being on the show and and talking about it, it's just odd that that was like a week ago and now a week later everything that was discussed has played out. Yeah. Um, so well, I, well, put it put it this way. If I'm on again in another week, you'll know World War Three will have happened. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so, look, I, I really appreciate coming on the show, mate. Uh, wish you all the best. Uh, yeah, so uh, I know it was last minute. So, um, yeah, so I, I can't thank you enough. Really big thanks, uh, Ralph. No, no, appreciate it, guys. And to all the uh, Bomber fans out there, uh, look, I, I think we should be feeling – really bright about the future now this is a great opportunity and uh you know i know i'm looking forward to being proud of my club again and onwards and upwards bombers hashtag roco for the board (laughs) (laughs) i like it hashtag roco suit yeah hashtag Um, roco in the suit all right thanks everyone uh you'll I don't know when our next show well, will be. Well, our next show is not going to be the, the, the we, uh, post-game show. Look, uh, just a, a whole side note, uh, Bomber fans, if you can, get out to Marvel Stadium Saturday night. Yes, yes, yes. It, you know, I know today's been a big moment in club history, but actually Saturday is a really significant moment in club history. AFLW, uh, first game in the club's history at Marvel, arch-rival Hawthorne. If you can get there, it should be a... Should be an absolute cracking day and a cracking moment for the club. So, uh, yeah, if you can go along, that would be awesome. But thanks, everyone, for for joining us and listening. For the emergency pod tonight, um, thank you again, Mr Connolly. We really appreciate it. Um, and we will anytime, be back. Anytime, guys. Beautiful. Anytime. Very, uh, very soon for all of our listeners. So talk to you then, guys. Thanks, guys.